Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I'm with Carson Tate, the managing partner of Working Simply Inc., a business productivity consulting firm helping companies build a high-performance workforce so people can leverage their productivity strength. Carson is the creator of the Productivity Style Assessment, a professional tool featured in Harvard Business Review's 2017 Guide to Being More Productive. She's also a speaker and a book author. Her latest book is titled Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Make Your Any Job Your Dream Job. Hello, Carson. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hello. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad to be with you. Excellent. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming an entrepreneur. So I started my career in financial services and human resources, and then went into outside sales for big pharma. And that's where I realized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and was helping my team members be more productive and efficient. And I realized there is a business here. And that's when I launched Working Simply. Okay, that's it. This is that that was simply the trigger to become an entrepreneur. Well, so when I started in big pharma, it was very simple. Uh, my manager gave me a credit card, a car, and a computer and a printout and yeah. said, go build the market and maintain it. And I had never had that level of freedom. I wanted more of it. And I basically got to build my business and portfolio for them in North Carolina and then decided it was time to go build my own business. Okay. And what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur today? What does it mean for me to be an entrepreneur? Um, it means the opportunity to create and through mm -hmm. creation to serve, to serve our clients and help them improve their productivity, their performance, their leadership, and ultimately the engagement and connection that their team members have to their organization. Right. How long have you been an entrepreneur for? 15 years. Right. 15, 15 years. We're going to yeah. talk later about, I'm sure you have a lot of lessons that you can, you can share about, about that. So we'll talk about that a bit later. But uh, now tell us a bit more about your business. Yeah, so we're a consulting firm. So we work in three areas. We provide consulting services, executive coaching, and training. So we help people improve performance around productivity. We help leaders amplify their leadership. And then we also help organizations be more effective at engaging and retaining their team members. Right. And why productivity? Why is this such an important topic for you? If you can't deliver 
then you are not going to consistently have an opportunity to serve your clients. And I believe that we're human beings, not human doings. And so Mm -hmm. there is a way to work smarter, not harder, more efficiently, more aligned with how you think and process information that allows you to consistently deliver the highest quality results without burning out. It's an interesting topic, productivity, because... You know, I've had my 20 years experience uh, working for others because before I worked for myself, I also talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. It's, you know, everybody's talking, is, is using the word productivity, but I am not sure if a lot of people understand what it really means. So can you, t- can you help us a little bit? I define productivity as impact versus output. Mm. So it's doing the things, the work, that drives revenue and serves your customers. It's not being busy, it's being intentional and purposeful. Okay, and so concretely, I'm a business founder. What sort of criteria should I look like? Should I look at, sorry. As a business owner, I would suggest you do a calendar audit. So we think about time as a commodity. So it is something to be invested for your highest return. So as a business owner, the first thing I would coach them to do is open your calendar, which we define as your investment statement. It's how you've chosen to invest your time. And I would look at every entry in there and I would either want to know, is it driving revenue or is it costing you revenue? And this is as simple as a dollar sign. You can color code. And then we want to look at non-revenue generating activities. How do we automate them? How do we eliminate them? How do you delegate them? And what about the people on the team? So the people on the team do the exact same exercise, but it's slightly different. We look at revenue, but not everybody is on the revenue line. So for example, a salesperson is on the revenue line, Mm. but I might be working in IT, which means I'm supporting the revenue of the company. So I would do a calendar audit looking at What percentage of my time is supporting revenue generation versus admin or cost me time? And then we want to look at how do we reduce that admin so we can elevate your support of revenue generation time. It sounds very simple. (laughs) (laughs) It is simple, but are you doing it? So are you willing to do the analysis and do it critically, not in a place of shaming yourself or saying you're less than, but to get the data. And then are you willing to do something differently? This is very simple and it's very powerful and it works, but you have to do it. Right. You have, you have to do it. Yes. You have to do it. And it's hard as a business owner. And I know this personally, because we get in a place where we move and we're working on autopilot. So we become unconscious to some of our activities that might not be driving revenue or serving our customers. So this calendar audit is designed to raise your awareness and put you at the inflection point of choice. You can choose to do something differently. You can choose to start to make different time investment decisions or not. But you can't make changes until you're aware of where you are. Right. And then you're saying that if you don't act, nothing will change anyway will change you will know but nothing will change in your business nothing changes in your life nothing changes in the market and how you're serving your your clients your customers yeah what are some of the if you can share a little some of the common issues you've found among business owners 
when it comes to productivity? A lot of our business owner clients start their days in their inboxes or on their Slack channel. Mm. And your inbox, your Slack channel, it is everyone else's to-do list for you. It might or might not be the highest and best use of your time, and it might not be revenue generating activities. The other challenge is when you start in your inbox, you start in a reactive state. I'm reacting to what everyone else is telling me to do versus from a proactive state aligned to where am I deriving the best value from my time investment. So we coach our business owners, sometimes it's only five minutes, but if you can give me five minutes of your morning before you check your all your devices, all the inputs, and do one thing aligned to revenue, you're going to have a more impactful day. So tell me now, uh, your latest book, um, the repeat the title, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Make Your, your Any Job Your Dream Job. How does it, uh, what, what does it come into this, into all the things that you're trying to achieve? You spend over a third of your waking life at work. And if you're an entrepreneur, the the thesis is we're doing work that you love. So that's the hope. But if you are an entrepreneur with a team, your team members engaged. So engaged team members are more productive. They have higher customer service scores. They have fewer safety incidences. We want an engaged workforce. You will be more profitable. And so in own it, make it, own it, love it, make it work. What I suggest is that as a business owner, it is not a hundred percent your responsibility to Mm. own the engagement of your team. So your team members have an equal responsibility to own their own engagement because the relationship you have with your team as a business owner, it's based on a social contract. It's give and take. You hire team members because of their skills and capabilities to help you drive business. Mm. In exchange, you get they get paid. There's salary, benefit, career development, hopefully, advancement. So you can engage your team members, though, if you don't know what they need to be engaged. So we're flipping the switch and saying, okay, team members, what does engagement and fulfillment look like for you? So you need to define it and you need to own it. And then together with the business owner, we're going to co-create a workplace, assignments, a culture that allows you to thrive and the business to thrive. Right. So are you also talking about accountability? 100%. Right. So you as a team member, are accountable just as you're mm. as, as you're accountable for your performance and deliverables you're also accountable for your happiness and fulfillment we aren't going to outsource that to someone else because you know yourself the best so the introspection to identify what you need and then having a conversation with your manager business owner leader to co-create a mutually beneficial workplace and we're driving the business so that's inter- another interesting uh, point you're making because a lot of entrepreneurs, they feel the pressure, you know, they have team members and, you know, they feel that, you know, they have to be accountable for, for everyone. What you're saying is no, hold on. It's, you know, if you, you, everybody needs, needs that it needs engagement. Accountability needs to come from absolutely everyone, including your team members. 
How do you teach that to them? In my book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, I say there are five essentials for professional fulfillment. So if I'm a business owner, I would engage my team members in a conversation around these five. So first, mm. how do you want to be recognized and acknowledged for your contributions? This is simple but powerful. Most who receive a thank you, great job, you did a great job solving this problem, I'm going to let the whole team know, some form of acknowledgement of good work. However, we're all different. Some of us might want you know, a quick little email, thank you, and others might want a presentation in front of the team. So engage your team member, how do you want to be recognized and rewarded? The second piece, the second item, or the second fulfillment piece is around strengths. Hmm. Strengths as a team member. And what am I bringing to your organization? When we work from our strengths, we're more engaged, we're more productive, more effective. So as a manager or as a business owner, I want to make sure that my team members know their unique strengths and we're creating situations where they can use them more. What are the assignments? What are the deliverables? What are the clients that are right fit for you? Because that's going to be a win for both of us. The third piece is around relationships. Mm. Do your team members have a friend at work? Are they able to work well with others? Do they undermine relationships by making assumptions? The fourth one is around development. Performers want to develop and grow in their career, but what do I want to do? So engage your team member and how do you want to grow? What are the new skills? Is there a position you want in the firm? And then support them in that, but they've got to own their own development journey. And then the fifth one is around meaning and purpose and designing your work for meaning and purpose. And the wonderful thing about meaning is this personal. Yeah. It's not defined by you. It's defined by your team member. They make sense of their world and they assign meaning and purpose. And there is no job that's exempt from significance. And there is no job that doesn't have meaning. It's just how do you define that in your role? Nice. Thank you for, for sharing all these uh, practical uh, tips. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit more about you and your entrepreneurship journey, because this is you know, a podcast about entrepreneurship. So you started 15 years ago. Yeah. How has, yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> How has entrepreneurship transformed you? What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? The most powerful lesson that I've learned as an entrepreneur is around leading self and others. Hmm. So in order, what I've learned, in order to lead my team well, and to be very clear for my clients and support them in their leadership, I have to be very clear on my triggers, where I am adding my story, my experiences, my assumptions to the situation or, or event meeting. And so I think about it in terms of you're driving a car and if you're driving a car and it's got a muddy kind of cloudy windshield, it's difficult to see. Yeah. The same thing that I've learned on my leadership journey. If my windshield or the lens through which I'm looking out in the world is fuzzy and muddy with my stuff, I'm not clear on what's really happening with my team or with my clients. Right. And when you started 15 years ago, how was it? Because you came from a corporate background, no experience in entrepreneurship. I had no experience. I did the, I think, pretty typical entrepreneur 
first step. And so I maintained my corporate job and had the side hustle. Yeah. So I was working nights and weekends to test the business model, test the thesis market. So I had that a little bit of a safety net. And once the business model was tested and I saw there was a market, I did quit. And it was hard because in the beginning, you do it all. Mm. For every single hat. So I was doing the training. I was doing the sales and marketing. I was doing the books. And it was, I mean, I worked all the time. And the name of the business is working simply. And I didn't feel like I was working very simply. Like, <laughs> yeah, talk about working. productivity. <laughs> the first couple of years were hard until I realized um, the, you know, the power and automation and leveraging. There's so many even more tools today online that you can use that make it very simple to do so many of the operations pieces of a, mm. of a startup. And then quickly um, was able to build a team. Now that was the other lesson learned. Bring um, people can be challenging. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Tell me more. And you're like, I don't want a team. I don't want to manage people. And I understand. Um, full and complex and challenging and hard to manage. And they bring their, hopefully their whole selves to work. And so you are going to have to figure out how do you engage them, help them engage themselves? How do you bring out the best in them so they can serve your, your clients? Right. <laughs> yes. Did you have a, a a team under you before when you were working in the um, corporate? So when I was working in, in a company and yeah. corporate, I did have a small team. I right. had a little experience with that, but it's very different when you are hiring them and they work for you. Right. So that, that was my next question. How different, how different is it? Very different. Because uh, for me, my experience was I was so close to our clients mm. and I wanted to ensure that my team you know, took, was as thoughtful and intentional and, and caring as, as I was with our clients. Um, it's the brand that I had been sweating to build that they're out there marketing and, and promoting on social media. It's just the connection and the intimacy is different than when it's a huge you know, Fortune 200 brand and you've got a team behind you. Are there any other lessons that you can share? Other lesson that I learned is around hiring folks and to proven hiring methodologies. So I started using behavioral-based interviews. So past mm. behavior is typically a pretty good predictor of future behavior and started building interview guides that were based on real examples of things that would happen in that role that we had experienced to really understand was this person a good fit. And then also started getting even better about making sure there was a values alignment between them and the company. And hiring the person who was a little bit of a stretch, who was maybe further along, um, that person who is the best that we could possibly get to join our young startup was always important. Why? They brought a talent and they up-leveled us. Mm. So um, I'm a runner. So it's a little bit like running with a person who's faster than you you're going to work a little bit harder to keep up. You want to do your best effort. They're out front. They're setting a great, strong pace. 
And so you want to keep coming behind them and they just elevate, you know, they bring mm. the knowledge and expertise that we didn't have. Are there any uh, mistakes, big mistakes that you can share? So we stayed in the B2C, which is the uh, direct to consumer business longer mm. than we should. Um, my background is in corporate. My whole team of facilitators and coaches have all worked in big fortune 500 us firms. And we are really not great at the direct to consumer. And we should have gotten out of that market faster. And now we are just a B2B firm. That is very interesting because it reminds me of a mentoring session. No, sorry, not a mentoring, a mentoring session that I shadowed where uh, the, the mentees were wanting to, to develop a product for dentists, but they had seen like three mentors and those mentors told them, well, you should go into the B2C, into the B2C world. But the mentees were like, well, now we don't, we're stuck. We don't know what to do because the, the mentors tell us this, but this is not us. We, we don't understand that market. We understand dentists because that is all, that is all background. And that's, so that brings me to my point, which is it's very important. And I think this is what you discovered. It's very important to, to talk, to identify your ideal client. Right. Is that is that what you're what you're saying here? Absolutely. Ideal client where we had deep experience and where we had demonstrated success. Yeah. And it is a you know, that client works. We are very effective there. And once you know your ideal client, you, we can focus all of our resources. The B2C market is a very different market. And that mm. is not our strength. Mm. What did it take? To find out. To, to realize that, um, well, looking at a PL and seeing that line item that grow and just costing <laughs> money. It was really straightforward. At some point, you have to overcome. And so, this is you know, part of it, I would imagine, maybe at least that's just my entrepreneurship experience, maybe other business owners. The problem is, is you're bumping up against sunk cost, hmm. right? So, we had spent so much money on websites and consultants and infrastructure on the B2C. I'm like, okay, we just need to try this and it's going to be, we're going to start to get back some of the money. We're going to, we're going to hit that profitability. Lesson learned. Let's focus our efforts where we can serve our customers the best and where we're generating revenue. And that goes, that ties back to what you were talking about earlier, the meaning, the purpose. You, know, you were meant to yeah. work with B2B, not B2C. Absolutely. Yeah. And the power as a business owner is once you get really clear on who you are, where you have an impact in and for the world, it makes it much easier to say yes and no because decision fatigue as an owner is real. You make hundreds of decisions all day long. And if you have this clarity, it's like a decision guardrail where you don't even have to really think. You're like, this is always a no for me. Mm -hmm. What's your biggest success? Team. Mm. Gosh, we have an extraordinarily talented, committed team, and they change lives. And they help organizations drive revenue, increase engagement. They're just a phenomenal group of people. And so if I ask them what sort of leader you are, what would they say? Find just fair and very high standards. Very high standards. Tell me more. I believe strongly that it's a commodity. And if we are not 
being good stewards of our time or our clients' time, mm. and we're wasting time or giving them a deliverable that isn't our best effort, that is very frustrating for me. Because I believe we're not living up to the brand and we are really impacting, I believe you. And that is not okay with me. <laughs> okay. If I had the ability today to grant you one wish, is there anything you would change? What would it be? Anything. I'm grateful for the journey and the lessons. And I know I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't experienced the ups and downs of the wild ride of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. And then, so what do you want to take your business? Like, what's, do you have a big dream? What's next? Yes. So I really want to uh, scale one of our assessments, our productivity style assessment. It's a powerful tool. Figure out how we scale that in mm. a really powerful way and just continue to serve more clients and serve them well. If you would compile, you summarize all that experience that you have acquired as an entrepreneur, what is the one recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs? Clarity. Right. Be clear on who you are, how you're showing up, what's informing your decisions, clarity around your ideal team member, and clarity around your ideal client. Easy. <laughs> I always tell you it's simple, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. And your clarity to get there is messy, right? It's a, yeah. a messy process. It can be a process of elimination. It stops and starts. It's huge mistakes and failures, but all of that can serve, if you use it, can serve to continue to refine that clarity, clarity of purpose, your leadership, who you are, your team, your client, right. which will allow you to work simply. It's mm, a great point. And then I guess you're also saying start as early as possible, but be clear as early as possible in your journey. As early as possible. Then hence my next question. What about productivity then? If we get that clarity and you're going to be more efficient, right? Because you know where to say yes and you know mm. where to say no. And we all have the same 168 hours in the week. So we're going to come back to time as a commodity to be invested. And productivity is about impact. So if I'm clear on this ideal client and I know what works to serve them, I'm going to be efficient. I'm going to be more productive because I'm making a bigger impact. I'm saying no to all of those things that aren't in service. Right, but sometimes saying no is so scary because, you know, we see the money, we have, we have bills to pay. The, the saying no to clients is hard. And so if you are just starting on your entrepreneurship journey, the work that I did 15 years ago looks very different than what we do now. Mm. And so obviously an entrepreneur is going to have to balance profitability and paying the bills. And I'm always going to be in support of that. Like you need to maintain your business. Encourage you to use that early stages where you're saying yes to everything to continue to refine. Where did you have the greatest impact? Where was there ease in working with this client? Where did the client value what you were bringing and you value them? So use the early clients to learn and grow to 
refine that ideal client so that you can start to say no to the ones where you know is not it's not going to be the greatest fit for you. And the other thing you learn is the Pareto principle, 80-20. So, mm. you know, 80% of the revenue comes from those really um, clients that know, like, and trust you, value you. It's that 20% that you really want to cultivate. And that's where ultimately I believe it's important to focus your effort. So. I mentioned you're a book writer, so you, you provide inspiration to others. But what about your own inspiration? Do you follow anybody? Which, which books can you recommend? Books. I really do. Um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and how she thinks about vulnerability, authenticity, and leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, Essentialism, I think, is a great book about getting very clear. It's about that clarity piece. And... I think that Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week has some really powerful ideas around automation mm. that can be helpful to spark within companies. How can we think about automating some of our processes and our procedures and looking at it through the lens of, is this rework? Is it adding value? All right. My show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? I think I've cracked the code because what I've experienced in business is it's ever-changing. And so as soon as I'm like, oh, we figured out this code, this market, these market conditions, it changes. <laughs> so I think it's an evolving journey. And a continuous learning process. <laughs> learning process. <laughs> All right, last question. How can people contact you? So our website is workingsimply.com. And if you're interested in the productivity style assessment, you can find it there or on LinkedIn, the Carson Tate. Excellent. Thank you very much, Carson, for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye-bye.